Hey, this is Sam for Dobbs. If you need tires, hop on our website, go to Dobbs.com. We'll save you time searching brands, sizes, and prices, and save you money because we sell tires at the lowest price in town, guaranteed. For deals you can use, click on go to Dobbs.com now. Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. Get ready for winter driving at Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers with super deals on tires, including up to $200 on new Goodyear tires, plus oil changes, brakes, batteries, and more. For value and savings, click on GoToDobbs.com today. Tanner Hendrickson, I'm Brandon Kylie. Always happy to go out to the Brown and Crouppen celebrity line to be joined by our friend, the Cardinals broadcaster for Bally Sports Midwest. He's Danny Mack joining us here on the show. Dan, how are you doing this afternoon, my friend? I'm doing well. How about you guys? Uh, doing very well. Would be doing better if the Cardinals had better luck in getting wins when Miles Michaelis goes out there and performs the way that he did last night. Uh, Dan, was that just an instance of Corbin Burns being awesome and there was nobody really that was going to beat the Brewers with him being on the mound last night? Yes. <laughs> I appreciate the honesty. <laughs> yeah. Uh, just giving you trouble. I mean, he was awesome. And, uh, you know, he had the cutter working. And when he's got that thing working, he's going to throw it a bunch. And he did it last night. And for Michaelis, it's been kind of a an odd season in terms of he's always matched up with somebody that is usually the other team's ace. You know, and it began kind of early in the season with Sandy Alcantara. You had Merrill Kelly. Uh, there's been probably two or three others that uh, he's been matched up. Well, the second time now with Corbin Burns. So it it becomes, and I think it does change how you pitch at times, even though guys will not say that, but you know, you feel like one mistake, you're going to lose the game. So you try to be really fine and you try to be almost perfect. And at times he's had to be that way, but yet he keeps uh, the Cardinals in games and he's, he's been just awesome this year. It's, It's great to see him healthy I was surprised that they stuck with him as long as they did with the extra inning that he uh, threw coming off of 129. But it should show me and everybody else he's a big, strong guy, can handle the workload, and uh, I thought he pitched very well last night. I see what you did there. Yeah, I like that, Dan. Uh, Dan, what did I do? The big, strong guy? Big, strong guy. What's that mean? Pete Alonzo's had an impact on everyone. Remember Pete Alonzo? Oh, they don't yeah, know what yeah. I'm going to do. I'm a big, strong guy. He's a guy. big, strong guy. I'll put him in the hospital. <laughs> Wasn't even thinking about it. He's a big, strong guy, man. I'm telling you. Dan, we've all... Uh, I'm a little I, slow today, guys. I'm sorry. I'm, you know, Dan, it's I, been a long trip, I guess. I, I'm sure you've you've heard Cardinals fans make the, the statements of, well, the Cardinals perform well against bad teams and they can't perform well against the above 500 teams. I don't like that narrative. I'm sure you don't like that narrative also. But the Cardinals offense has struggled against the, the top level level pitching does that concern you at all I may not like the narrative but they better change the narrative um, because when you look at going into this series uh, last night now they played nine games and so the Brewers are what five and four against the Cardinals in just about every area they're equal Um, and you, you can go down to defense you can say well what's the relief look like 
Um, certainly Hader and, and Williams are, are difference makers in the back end. There's no question about that. But generally speaking, they're, they're pretty equal. And so when you look at these two teams and what they've done inside the division, both have really beat up on Cincinnati and Pittsburgh. So they're, they're combined, I think there's only like four or five, six losses against those two teams combined with Milwaukee, uh, Milwaukee and St. Louis. Against the rest of the league, they're combined under 500. So what that tells me is is that maybe these two teams kind of finish even. Obviously, you take care of business against the lesser teams, but somebody is going to have to emerge outside of the division and play decent baseball. It doesn't have to be great, but somebody's going to have to play better than what they're playing right now, and that might decide uh, what happens in this division. Um, right now, too, the Cardinals would be out of the wild card if it started today. So you, you have added that third wild card, um, and, and they'd be out, Milwaukee be in. So taking care of business outside of your division may be the way that this thing goes down, or at least playing better baseball outside your division may be the way that this uh, all unfolds for one of these two teams. Dan, one of the reasons why the Cardinals, I don't have to tell you this, you've seen it up close and in person, but uh, why they are where they are, which is out of the playoffs as of today, is because of the bullpen not named the big three. Last night, I kind of liked what I saw from Johan Oviedo coming out of the pen. His stuff was playing up. He was sitting around 96, 97 miles per hour as opposed to 94, 95. What'd you think of Johan coming out as a, as a reliever? I liked it. Um, I liked it the other day too, in Pittsburgh was leading, I think five, nothing or five, one, whatever the case was. And he came in and he had a six pitch inning coming out of uh, the bullpen. Then the game got tied and all of a sudden, he looked a little different. He looked a little bit, uh, I think, more conservative with his stuff. And his stuff plays, man. It's it's good. And, I, and I've talked to Ali about this. You know, he feels like it's in, incumbent on him and the coaching staff to, to get what is a big arm and uh, the look of a, you know, a great body on the, on the mound, a major league pro-ready guy, get him ready to have consistency. And so with the lack of consistency from Verhagen, um, I, I think they're going to give him a run. And, and that's the problem when you put Palante in the, the rotation, which is great. He's pitched well, pitched really well on Sunday against Boston, but you rob Peter to pay Paul, so to speak. So who's going to bridge the gap in Palante's spot uh, in the bullpen to get you to those big three? And maybe it's Oviedo and maybe it's Zach Thompson, who's another one that will, I think, get more higher leverage situations. And in his limited time, he's he looked pretty good. I don't think they at this point would allow McFarland in some of those spots unless guys are are down and, and, and unavailable. And I think the same could be said for Verhagen, and they've got to build back up some trust. But look for those two young guys maybe to emerge in some of the uh, the higher leverage situations to try to bridge the gap to innings seven, eight, and nine. Dan, I mentioned this earlier today. I, I want to get your thoughts on it as well. I, when I look at him, I, you can see the stuff. Like it, it looks like it should be a good pitcher. You, you mentioned how just he looks the part, right? It, it kind of reminds me early on of Hennessy's Cabrera and how like he was a sure. quote unquote failed starter, right? You could see the stuff was there, but he had a six ERA in Memphis in 2019. He came up and you just didn't see the results that year in the big leagues. And then the next season, 2020, you see it's like okay, yes, this is the reliever that he. Could could become is there is there a similarity there with Johan Oviedo potentially with his stuff playing up in the pin the way that Hennessy's Cabrera's did in 2020 sure I, I definitely think there is and I, I think a lot of it comes down to uh, BK is that there are things that are not measurable heart guts um, situations that all of a sudden 
that may jump not jump off a page because you can look at the numbers and spin rates and the various things that these guys possess. But it, it, a lot of it depends on with young players putting him in and try to put him in positions to have success. And then all of a sudden they feel like, hey, I can get guys out. I can uh, do this. I, I belong in the big leagues. And there is something to that for sure. And for Johan, it's been a, a tough road. I, I think when you look at his career path in terms of Major League Baseball, it's been tough because he was thrust into 2020 when they just needed, you know, they hell they might have signed you and put you out there. Um, you know, they didn't they, want they, to do that. No, please, no, Dan. We both know they didn't want to do that. <laughs> well, I did see you guys swinging the bat at uh, the Grizzlies game, so you're right. We would have gone to a different place probably to find somebody else. Dan, but... I hit the top of the wall in the outfield, though. <laughs> I did. BK didn't. Well, we need to get you in the gym. It needs to be over the wall. Yeah, there we I, go. I need to eat my Wheaties. That was from second base. Uh, of course. Um, so anyway, I, I think, you know, that that kind of piles on. You know, if you have success, you build on it, you feel like you belong. And if you don't, it's in the back of your mind like, man, what do I need to do? Am I doing things right? What can I do differently? All these different things that come uh, to the forefront. And I just think that it's been, in, in a way, kind of a tough career path for him because he's had plenty of chances. Don't get me wrong. He's had a bunch. But Get a little success. Get a taste of that success, and then let's see what happens. And I think that's what happened with Cabrera, and it certainly could happen with Oviedo. Dan, sticking with the pitching, Jack Flaherty tonight, we saw that previous start, and it was kind of what I expected. I didn't expect him to be lights out from his first one. But what are you expecting just in terms of progress with this tonight and Jack Flaherty? Well, if things would go right, obviously more than three innings and you know pitch count would be up. I, I think you got to see him more competitive inside the zone. And part of that, uh, you know, according to Jack, was that he was so amped up. And then you could see mechanically he wasn't quite right. And sometimes if you're not right mechanically, it drops velocity. And his velocity did drop by the, the second and the third inning that he was in there. So we're looking to, to see him keep the velocity as much as he can. And I always pay attention uh, with Jack, with arm angle, just to make sure that it's up and, and it looks right. You know, I was talking to Ollie when he threw his side session. Uh, well, I, I shouldn't say side session. It was live hitters at Bush Stadium um, prior to his first start, and things were jumping off the page. You know, they were able to do those measurables um, of what it looks like and, and take a look at the numbers on the paper, and, and everything was good. I mean, he was throwing mid-90s. He was above baseline stuff that uh, when he's healthy and right, uh, you know, in normal seasons, if he's healthy, he was actually up in certain areas above that. So it's there. Uh, I'm sure it's just a matter of maybe controlling some emotions and, and just getting back in the routine of pitching every fifth day. Dan, two things real quick uh, before we get you out of here, if you don't mind. Uh, sure. One, did you see O'Neill Cruz last night for the oh, Pirates? I did. So, oh, yeah, I went back and watched some of that, yeah. What you think? And are we starting to see the Pirates? And obviously, who knows what this looks like three years from now. We've been down this road before, but... Are they starting to come kind of out of the abyss and maybe by the end of the season, they're going to start looking like more of a real team? Well, I would say, can they pitch? That would be my number one thing, because obviously at the end of the day, it's wins and losses, right? Sure. I mean, if you're, you know, can you win games now? Is this kid going to give you a jolt of energy? Sure. Um, I think the thing that I, if I was a Pirates fan, this would be my concern is that, okay, here we go. We got another guy that uh, is a great prospect. He comes up, he excites everybody league. will figure him out. And he's a big kid, six foot seven. And he's got, he's prone to make errors defensively. You would think that would improve, but uh, there's excitement there, but the league will figure him out and then he'll have to adjust and vice versa and so on and so forth. But then when some of these guys begin to hit and they do have other kids coming, 
will my ownership group step up to lock people up long-term? So that left side of the infield should be there for years. Key Brian Hayes got the long-term extension, but with this kid, if he goes gangbusters, you know, be willing to accept it long-term. And I I just think you have to have pieces in place that you say, we're going to build around this guy. We're going to build around this guy. We're going to build around our center fielder. And those are our pieces. Um, And that would always be in the back of my mind as a, a fan of the game with the Pirates, and I was a fan of the Pirates growing up. I love the Cardinals, but I, I just I love Tony Pena, so I used to follow the, the Pirates all the time. And and seeing what they did in the, the 90s and then to have that long losing streak of just not being able to get over the hump of 500 when they had good players, making sure you sign the right guys long-term and making sure that they stay. Now, I think you're talking more about the immediate, and, and I think there is a chance, like David Bednar is really good. In my opinion, I, I think that's a guy that uh, if I was a team, I'd be calling every day. That in, in if I was a team that had a chance to to win, I'd be saying, "Can I is Bednar available?" And you know, if you keep that guy, that's somebody to build around. If you don't, then it's kind of like, okay, we're back to square one in the back end of our games. But we have O'Neill Cruz, and we got you know this kid, and we got that kid. But are you going to keep these pieces in place to make sure that you win games? And I think that's the big question. Final thing, speaking of those long-term contracts, Dan, uh, we, we talked about this in our last segment because Ken Rosenthal had a report on what a Shohei Otani extension could look like for the Angels and why one hasn't been signed yet. He just has one year left on his contract next year where he'll be arbitration eligible. Rosenthal said he thinks it's going to take more than $43 million on an annual basis to re-sign Otani, which makes sense. He's an unbelievable position player, and oh, by the way, he's the ace of their staff. But, Dan, they already have $40 million committed over the next four years to right. Anthony Rendon, and they already have almost $40 million committed for, like, the next eight years to Mike Trout, which nobody's complaining about. He's awesome. Can you do that with three guys? And if not, are the Angels going to have to make a decision at some point between Trout and Otani long-term? Oh, I don't think Trout's going anywhere. Um, I, I think when you talk about a guy that's been there for – over a decade now, I believe, or at least right at 10 years, and he's locked up long-term, and he's the, he is the face of that franchise. Uh, I, I don't see that happening. And if they had to choose between the two, I'd also look at how a pitcher can regress or can have injury, and Otani's had some injuries along the way. And, and don't get me wrong, he's awesome. He's so much fun to watch. But, uh, yeah, I think, you know, it, it, again, it all comes down to what an owner will pay, and I'm not in those shoes, and I never will. Um, and so are you willing to pay that kind of money and spend that kind of money um, like they did on Albert and like they've done on Trout and they've done on others? Um, uh, you know, that's up to Artie Moreno. But, man, it's, it's, uh, it's, it makes it tough to, to have a sustainable payroll for three guys making, you know, 35 to $40 million. Can it be done? Yes, because then you have to draft and develop well and then have cost-controlled players. But, man, it, it does – potentially hamstring you a little bit unless you're Steve Cohen and you just say, Hey, <laughs> I, I know I got, I'm going to get taxed and I don't care. So you I'm going to spend all the money in the world. They put a Steve Cohen tax in. <laughs> right. I mean, you know what I mean? They, they, that's some owners will say that some owners will just say, you know, I don't care. And other owners will say, yeah, it's, it's not in the budget and we're going to have to make some choices here. And what we, what we do, it would be fascinating is if, if they know that they are out of playoff contention and they know they're not going to sign them, what would that gather? Yeah. You know, that's the thing that uh, always comes to mind when I think about potential free agents, too, is where am I at? And, uh, you know, do I have a potential a potential to get into uh, the playoffs? And the third wild card muddies that a little bit in a good way. It keeps your fan base engaged and it keeps a team 
having a chance to go on a run and get in, but and he would have to be a big part of that, but it does kind of muddy the waters a little bit on on what you're thinking. Yeah, we were talking about this in the last segment. Three guys that are like legitimate unicorns in baseball with uh, Juan Soto, Aaron Judge, and Shohei Otani could be like realistically moved within the next couple of years. It's crazy. Dan, we yeah. appreciate the time as always, man. Enjoy the game tonight in Milwaukee. Flaherty on the mound should be a fun one for you guys. We'll talk with you again next week. Okay, buddy. Thanks. A financial plan isn't just about money. It's about what matters most to you, like protecting your family, supporting your community, and building a legacy for future generations. At Northwestern Mutual, we start with a conversation about the life you want to live now and years from now. Whether you're paying down debt, saving for college, or planning for retirement, we have an eye on your bigger picture. Get access to our financial expertise at harlem.nm.com. The Northwestern Mutual Life Insurance Company, headquartered in Milwaukee, Wisconsin.